0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Kings 4, verse number 1, starting, and just bear with me here, there are there are several just names that are here uh, that we'll just jump through here today. But I thought it important to read these seven verses. Matter of fact, here lately I've been reading uh, in First Chronicles, like the opening First 1 Chronicles has all these names. And uh, it's been really fun. They sound right in my head. But uh, nevertheless. So the Bible says, so King Solomon... Was king over all Israel. And these were the princes which he had: Azariah the son of Zadok the priest, Elihoreph, Elihorph, and Ahiah the sons of Shisha, scribes; Jehoshaphat the son of Ahilud, the recorder; and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada was over the host. Zadok and Abiathar were the priest. Nazariah Azariah, the son of Nathan, was over the officers. And Zabad the son of Nathan, was principal officer and the king's friend. And Hysar, was over the household. And Adoniram, the son of Abda, was over the tribute. And Solomon had 12 officers over all Israel, which provided victuals for the king and his household. Each man, his month in a year made provision what in the world are you going to preach out of this mess my key verse is verse number 5 and Azariah the son of Nathan was over the officers and Zabud everybody say Zabed. the son of Nathan was principal officer and the king's friend I want to minister today those three words last words of verse 5 The King's friend. The King's friend. Pray that the Holy Ghost helps us today. I feel my heart is burdened this morning. And I pray that I can somehow, with the help of the Lord, relay that in an adequate way for you all today. Father, I come to you this morning. Uh, Jesus, I pray today, Lord. Solomon prayed, I pray, give your servant adequate words this morning. God, adequate words, Lord Jesus, today. God, for the benefit, Lord, of your people, for the benefit, Lord, of those that would sit here. God, I pray, oh Lord, speak, God, as you would desire and as you would see fit. We need the anointing of your presence. We need the anointing of your presence, God, to flow in this place. Your word is perfect and sound in its anointing. But God, we are, we are messengers of clay and we are, Lord, hearers of clay. We need, Lord God, the touch of the anointing of the Lord. God, upon us this morning that you could seal, oh Lord, these things in our lives that are spoken in this place this morning. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. And the church say, amen. Amen. You may be seated today in Jesus' name. The king's friend. This king that we're speaking of at this time, of course, is King Solomon. The verse 1 opens that, so King Solomon was king, so Solomon was king over all of Israel. Unlike his father David, Solomon reigned over all Israel from the onset of his rule. And the ordering you could only imagine of such a vast domain would not be accomplished without the help of others undergirding him, supporting him, because we understand quite simply that it takes various people, various talents, various abilities to see to all the dynamics of the kingdom in essence the kingdom of solomon would rise and fall upon those he employed to help him in the oversight of the national affairs of the kingdom no one person was talented enough or educated enough to serve as an expert in every capacity of the empire and so the first several verses of 1 kings chapter number 4 share with us the officials that served King Solomon in his kingdom. It is a register, if you will, of both names and functions of those names. Among those listed are people that were giving regal, domestic, and military aid unto their king. Others were supplying religious and personal support to Solomon. There were listed in that list, if you were to catch it, there were princes and there were scribes mentioned. There was the recorder that was mentioned and the captain of the host or the captain of the army. There were priests in numbered in those first seven verses. There was the superintendent, if you will, of 12 officers that Solomon had. There was the head of the household. That was enlisted there as well. And last but not least, there was the treasurer of all the bounty and the riches of the king. Yet among all of these listing of names and listing of functions, in the midst of these, there is ascribed all of these functions to various names. But there is one name that has a function and an additional label attributed to him. The Bible says in verse number five, Zabud, the son of Nathan, was principal officer and the king's friend. Now you must understand the king's friend could have easily been the captain of the host. The king's friend could have easily been the, the head of the household or the scribe or the recorder or the treasurer, but the Bible says it was Zabud, the principal officer. Zabud is not mentioned anywhere else in the Bible. He is not known for any great exploit in the word of God. His name has not been repeated upon the lips of the masses and the multitudes of people for years. Even our knowledge of him would be a loss had it not been for this record in 1 Kings chapter number 4. And so the only things that we know about Zabud is that he was the principal officer and the king's friend. Now, I think it goes to note this morning that one must be careful about who they invite into their circle of friends, who they would denote or place a label upon as a friend. Amen. Who they will allow into the innermost activities of their lives. It is that person that you may deem as friend that that would have sway in your life to help direct your life, help influence your life. As a matter of fact, Booker T. Washington said, he said, associate yourself with people of good quality, for it is better to be alone than to be in bad company. The book of Proverbs 13 and 20 says, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Uh, Solomon was basically saying in the book of Proverbs that you, you, you become or you are what you hang around with. You, you, you are what you walk with. You will become what you walk with. What you follow is what you will become. Jesus, that's the reason why. In New Testament scripture, Jesus spoke his first call on his disciples in Mark 4. His call to them was this. He said, men, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men because Jesus understood that the character of those men would be affected by who they walked with and who they followed. The character of a man's company will dictate the character of that man's life. Can someone say amen? Amen. So why in the world, Solomon, would you, among all these lists of names and other offices and function, why Zabad, amen, among all the people that it could have been chosen as the king's friend, why him, Folks, I believe, and you're going to walk with me today, but I, I feel like the Holy Ghost has something to say when it's all said and done. There are possibly two reasons stemming from Solomon's own father's kingship that influenced Solomon's choice for making Zabad his friend. These two reasons are not necessarily reasons in and of themselves, but two characters, two characters of two people. That was in his father's rule in reign that influenced him to make Zabud the king's friend. These two people that David had in his reign in his time of kingship was one by the name of Nathan and another by the name of Hushai. Zabud, the Bible says in verse number five, Zabud is the son of Nathan. Some are unsure whether this is Nathan the prophet or not, but I believe pretty concretely that this is Nathan the prophet that we are talking about. Zebud was the son of Nathan the prophet. Not every time Nathan is mentioned in Scripture is he mentioned. Not every time Nathan the prophet is mentioned in Scripture is he mentioned as Nathan the prophet. Sometimes he's simply referred to as Nathan. Not only that, but Nathan had been instrumental just a few chapters prior to the one that I read to you, Nathan had been instrumental in Solomon securing the throne of his father. If you will remember, Nathan the, the prophet had spoke to Solomon's mother. I got a lot of Bible stories today. Nathan the prophet spoke, and I'll probably have to tell them just so everybody, they're, they're, they're familiar with you. Nathan the prophet had spoke to Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, and says, Bathsheba, you need to go in to David. And you need to tell him, did you not say that Solomon would reign as king? But at this time, Adonijah, another son of David, had professed himself to be king. He said, you need to go in there and say, didn't you say my boy was to be the next king? But Adonijah is ruling and reigning. And Nathan said, when you do that, I'll come in just a little bit after you, and I'll proclaim the same thing. David, did you not promise that Solomon would be king? And Adonijah is the one reigning. And that's exactly what happened. Bathsheba went in there. Amen. This 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 woman that that." David had relationships with to produce a Solomon. David is owed, and she says, David do I remember right? Does my mind serve me well? Wasn't Solomon supposed to be the, the next king? And if David said yes she would follow up with, well Adonijah is out there professing himself king and ruling and reigning and then Nathan would come in and say the exact words, did you not say that Solomon would be king? And so Nathan, as a result of all this, Solomon was crowned He was anointed, and he was the one to become king. And so it would seem like, man, yeah, you should have some type of respect for Nathan. Amen. Because one of the reasons, Solomon, you are on the throne today is because Nathan was very important in helping getting you the throne room. And so that's very important. But that's not the only reason that he would make Zabad his friend. Amen. It's not just that Nathan helped him obtain the throne room, but rather what was more important to Solomon is what Nathan did for his father and what he kept his father from doing. someone say Amen, because the greatest mark of indiscretion in Solomon's in Solomon's dad's life David's life was his sin with Bathsheba committing adultery with another man's wife it was that sin that further led him to more sinning to the murdering of her husband Uriah, And let me pause for a moment and tell you that's just the nature of sin. Sin is not satisfied to get you to commit a sin. But sin always tries to lead you from that sin to another sin. The Bible tells us in Proverbs that evil pursueth sinners. Sin is always trying to take you down the slippery slope to sinning again and again and again. And so David has committed his sin with Bathsheba. He has now murdered Uriah. He is going down the slippery slope of sinning time and time again. And so this great scar in David's life, this great flaw in David's life, is this whole episode of David and Bathsheba and Uriah. The Bible says in 1 Kings 15 and 5 that David was a man after God's own heart. He was good in all of his ways. Only in the matter of Uriah, the Hittite. However, that whole scenario would have been worse had it not been for Nathan. Because it was Nathan that addressed an unrepented David. It was Nathan that addressed an unrepented David with his sin. Someone say amen. Amen. Nathan went to David, he he provides the parable. You, uh, let me tell the story. He provides the parable, amen, but there were two men. One had a man, one little ewe lamb, another one had several, but there was a, a, a journeyer from afar that came to that man that had one little ewe lamb. And that one little lamb was just like family. It ate at their table, they took care of it. And when journeyers came from afar, the one that had several took the one little ewe lamb and prepared it for the journeyer from afar. David was outraged. He said, you're saying they took from a man that just had one and they were going to slay it for these men. We, We need to do something. We need to correct this. And he's saying all this thing. And what he's doing is setting up a parable, amen, that is parallel to what David had done to Bathsheba and Uriah. And whenever he hears all of this, he says he's angry, he's upset. Nathan looks at David. I don't know if he pointed his finger, but that's what I imagine in my mind. Nathan points at David and says, thou art the man. He says, you're the one that's done wrong. You're the one that has committed this injustice. Amen. He was truthful, amen, about David being the man, and David needed to repent. See, the matter would have been worse had David sinned with Bathsheba, sinned in the matter of Uriah, and never repented. Because had he done that, there was nothing but going to be a series of sin after sin after sin until David would be lost, David would be dead, and there would be nothing to be able to be done about David's dilemma. But because of Nathan, Nathan called to order a man that was unrepentant. The Bible says in 1 Kings 12, and I don't have all these written down or typed up, but in 1 Kings 12 and verse number 13, in that matter, the Bible states these words. I got the wrong one. Nevertheless, whenever he spoke to him, it might be, I'm not even going to try. He spoke to him whenever David spoke back unto Nathan. And said, I have sinned against God. Nathan's response to him was, your sin has been put away. You shall not die. And so it's in that moment we see the instrumentation that a Nathan had in the life of a David. That kept a man from death. Because he was willing to call an unrepentant man. Out of his lifestyle in what he was doing. And so Solomon, in thinking back on all of this occurrence, is thinking to himself, I need a man like that in my life. I need someone that can call me out when I've done wrong. I need somebody to somehow come to me whenever I'm caught in the clutches of sin and be able to point his finger in my face and say, you are the man. I need somebody to call me to repentance when I haven't repented. I need somebody to stand up when they see me sinning after sin after sin and say enough is enough. God has bigger and greater plans for you than what you're doing right now. Solomon is thinking, if Zebud is the son of Nathan, perhaps he'll have that same character. Perhaps he'll have that same tenacity. Perhaps he'll have that same trait of being able to call a man out of his sin to a place of repentance. I need a friend. I need a friend like that. Someone say Amen. Because David's life would have been prematurely doomed, folks. Had it not been for the forwardness of Nathan. And so Solomon believes Zabad, Zabad rather, is a friend or rather is a son of Nathan. Perhaps he has that DNA, that characterization. And I need that type, that type of accountability in my life. So that's one reason why I believe Solomon had Zabad apart of his life because he was the son of Nathan who knew how to call an unrepentant man to repentance. But the other person I believe that Solomon viewed in his father's reign was Hushai. Everybody say Hushai. Hushai. There was an aspect of Hushai's that Solomon desired in his friend. As a matter of fact, the only other place the Hebrew word for friend, that is in 1 Kings 4 and 5, the only other place that Hebrew word for friend is used is in conjunction with Hushai being David's friend. Hushai enters the Bible story during the rebellion of Absalom. King David is leaving Jerusalem because of the rebellion. He's on his way out because of all of the shenanigans of Absalom. And the Bible says that Hushai, upon meeting David at the summit of, all of it, was sent back by David to Jerusalem to counteract the influence of Ahithophel, a counselor. The Bible speaks of this. You can read of it in 2 Samuel 15 and 16. Ahithophel had been a counselor to David. But now at this juncture in his life had become a conspirator against him. Ahithophel counsels Absalom the rebel to lay with his father's concubines on the top of the house in the sight of all Israel. This counselor tells Absalom to allow him and 12,000 men of Israel to go after David and slay him while he is weary. And while he is weak, and he said, I'll bring back all the people unto you, Absalom, and you can be king over them. However, after Absalom, he heard the counsel of Ahithophel, Hushai, who had went back to Jerusalem who was posing to be honorable to Absalom, but was still yet honorable to David because he was David's friend. They asked Hushai, Hushai, how is it that you give counsel concerning this matter? Hushai just started out of the gate. He said the counsel of Ahithophel, he said it's not good. As a matter of fact, Hushai's advice to Absalom was this. He says what you need to do is that you need to understand if you go against David right now, He's probably not lodging with the people. You know, David, he's a man of war. He's very intelligent. He has a lot of strategy. He's probably in a den, in a pit, in a cave or something somewhere. He's probably not with his people. For that matter, if he hears word of you coming against he and his army, man, he is like a bear that is just raped of its its, its little cubs right now. He's going to come after you. And being a man of war, he is going to win. He said, my suggestion to you is this. Gather all the army of Israel that you can gather from Dan to Bershah. You gather as much people as you can gather, and then you go after David. And so in order to do that, that was going to take time. In order to do that, that allowed David just to get a little bit more prepared. He said, you get all the army together, and instead of Ahithophel leading the army, he said, you're supposed to be the king. You lead the army. You be the captain of the host. You go do what needs to be done. But it was Hushai's counsel. That prevented the people from immediately pursuing David. And very possibly could have saved David's life. It certainly allowed David and his men to be prepared. But there is something more. Hushai's counsel did what David needed. The Bible says that the counsel of Hushai defeated the counsel of Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Now, now, I know. Just walk with me. Is everybody following the stories? Okay. Ahithophel. See, there's more at stake here than a, a rebellion with Absalom. There's more at stake here of Ahithophel, who used to be counselor to David, is now a conspirator against David. There's more at play here. Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. Bathsheba, the Bible tells us in 2 Samuel 11, Bathsheba was the daughter of Eliam. And in 2 Samuel 23, it tells us Eliam was the son of Ahithophel. And so Ahithophel was the grandfather of Bathsheba. See, Ahithophel has a dog in the fight against David. He's counseling to bring death upon David by surprise. Because sometime in the past, sometime in the past he sinned against Ahithophel's granddaughter and her husband. But newsflash, that sin was something that had already been repented of. But the accusing Hithopal is giving counsel. Let's accuse David of an old sin that he already got victory over. The accusing Hithopol wanted to show up at this period of time in David's life of success when he arose above all that junk and was doing things for the kingdom. Wanted to walk in that moment and said, but do you remember your mistake? Do you remember your fault? Uh, Hithopol had a dog in the fight. Someone say amen. And so, whenever Hushai showed up, that had been the friend to David and was posing as the friend to Absalom, he gives a different counsel than Hithopal to the place that Ahithopol's counsel was defeated by Hushai. Had it not been for Hushai, amen, David may be dead. Had it not been Hushai, even furthermore, David might have been dead for something he already repented over just because someone was convincing him otherwise. Because of a friend that David had, it stopped. It if you will, the hand of the accuser. It silenced the mouth of the accuser and allowed David's past to be his past because he had repented over that. And so whenever Solomon is considering these things, he says, I'm going to pick Zabud. I'm going to pick him because he is the son of Nathan. And I need somebody in my life that can call me to repentance when I'm not going there myself. And not only that, if I call him my friend, that's the same as Hushai was my dad's friend. And that was someone in his life that, if you will, waved off the accusing memories of past fault. Let me tell you this morning, you need a friend in your life. You need a friend in your life that can somehow call you to repentance. And you need a friend in your life that can somehow war off the accusing memory of your past mistakes that you repented over. And so Solomon is thinking, I need a friend like that in my life. I need someone that will silence the accusing voices of my past. Amen. Especially those things of my past that I've already secured victory over. Someone say amen. Oh God. So the king's friend. king's friend could have easily been a number of people in that list but it was Zabud. The Bible says the principal officer and the king's friend there is no surprise in what I'm about ready to tell you that the role translated principal officer is translated from a Hebrew word Kohen which in most instances is translated priest. As a matter of fact, 744 times out of 750, that Hebrew word is translated priest. As a matter of fact, the Bible, or it tells me, the living Bible, that is another translation of the Bible, even translates that phrase, the king's personal priest. Meaning that Zabud was the king's personal priest. And he made that man his friend. For that matter, the terminology, the king's friend, it is exclusive. We never find more than one bearer of that title at the same time. No one else is listed in Solomon's registry labeled the king's friend. It indicates a certain office rather than a modern idea of friendship that we have today. It's the bearer, that bearer, the one who bears that is considered part of the royal family family amen it's that word friend here in the scripture amen that comes from a Hebrew root word meaning to pasture to tend to graze to feed thus alluding to the relationship of a shepherd and his sheep it is a word that suggests the shepherd's office and so whenever whenever Solomon was looking for someone that could call him to repentance when he needed to repentance when Solomon was looking for somebody that could war off the demons of past mistakes he said I don't think anybody would serve that capacity better not the treasurer not the scribe not the head over the house but if anybody's going to serve in that position it's going to be my priest it's going to be my pastor he said whenever I consider what I need in a friend I see that I find it in my pastor I'm not trying to feather a nest here this morning, but I'm trying to underscore the reality that you need a friend that Solomon had. You need a friend like David had that can call you out of your sin to a place of repentance. You need somebody that's going to go to bat for you when your past is coming. I'm not asking for a bunch of friend requests on Facebook today. I'm not asking for you to pay for my meal next week. I'm not asking for any of that. But I'm telling you this. You can't allow anybody just into that innermost sanctum of your life. You can't allow anybody just to walk into that arena and area of your life. You need a zabud. You need a priest. You need a pastor. You need somebody that can call you out and hold back other things at the same time. You need someone say amen. You need a pastor. It's not, always have, it's not always comfortable having a friend like that. I guarantee you David wasn't comfortable when Nathan said what he said that day. But he was grateful when it was all said and done. And he was still alive. And he was on the throne. And he was ruling and reigning. Honey, I'm not here to make you comfortable. I'm here to allow you to live another day. I'm, a, I'm your friend here today. I'm here to hold back the voices of past mistakes. I'm here to hold back the voices that said you were a liar and you were a cheater and you were a fornicator and you were a drug addict and you were an alcoholic. I'm here to stand here and say all of that's under the blood, accuser. All of that's under the blood, Ahithophel. All of that's under the blood. Go on and take care. You know what the Bible says after the defeat of Ahithophel? The Bible says he went home, he put his house in order, and then he hung himself because he knew he was barking up a whenever there was a friend called a priest standing between the man he was trying to accuse and himself he said I might as well give up you need a priest as your friend in your life Others perhaps would have thought the captain of the host would have been a good choice. Have all the command of the mar- army in a moment's notice. If the captain of the host is your friend. Perhaps the treasurer, treasurer would have been a better person to fulfill that role And that office as a labeled friend. I mean, he could come, open up the bounty house of the riches if needful. But the Bible, Solomon, who the Bible still yet describes as the wisest man. As the wisest man, the Bible says his wisdom surpassed any other. His wisdom was so astounding that others came to inquire about his wisdom. That Solomon, that type of man, the wisest man says, if I'm going to have any friend, let that friend be my priest. And so, this is not my opinion. This is the word's opinion. This is not anybody fighting with me. You're fighting with the wisest man that ever was. So if you think you're more intelligent than he is, do what you want to do. But the wisest man, let the priest be the king's friend. Oh, yeah, a captain of the host commercial marshal army. Treasure could open the king's bounty. But the king's priest had access to unfathomable riches. Of another world. He had access to an army that no man could. Number, Ken. Please understand me. I don't want to be misunderstood here today. I'm not standing here as a know-it-all. I'm not standing here arrogantly arrogantly today as your pastor. This is not a feather-my-nest type of sermon, but this is a sermon. Amen. This is a sermon that's not telling you that every pastor is perfect and every pastor is infallible. You missed the boat. If that's what you got out of that, this is not what this is about. But this is about pastors not being better than anybody else, but just about them functioning in a role that is different from everybody else. This message is about, amen, Someone has to give an account for you. This message is about that sometimes as a pastor, we deal with intimate dealings in your lives on a natural state and a spiritual state. Amen. That we've kept company along with you on lengthy, burdensome paths of your journey. We've had private conversations where some of your darkest secrets have been divulged. yet been kept in privacy. Amen. And confidence. Amen. We have been the ones and need to be the ones that can call you to repentance and ward off the accusing voice. go on and get me John three twenty nine. You don't have to put it up yet, just get it. The word friend, there in the scripture, 1 Kings 4, 5, has a connotation there. That the friend was the best man. had been, is, or would be the best man who would act as the groom's representative. The Responsibility of that best man, that friend. He had to perform certain duties during a period of time that stretched from his friends or the king's, in this instance, the king's engagement until Mm. the king's Marriage. Paul said to one of the churches in the New Testament Scripture, I think it was to Corinth, I may be wrong, it might be Ephesus. He says, I have espoused you to one husband. I've espoused you to one husband. Folks, none of us are married yet. To him. Revelation tells me of a marriage supper of the Lamb that will come. Revelation tells me how garments will be granted to her that she will wear. Right now you're just engaged. But in order for you to arrive successfully From your engagement. To your marriage. You need a friend. You need a best man. You need a priest. That's going to help keep you washed. You, you need a priest that's going to keep the vine of other suitors. That's going to keep the attraction of other suitors. Put up, if you will, John three twenty nine. Look at this. John the Baptist. This is John the Baptist speaking. The forerunner of Christ Jesus. Huh? The forerunner of Christ Jesus. He did. He wanted to make no mistake about it for all those. Because see, some were thinking, "Art thou the Christ?" Right? So I'm, I'm not. He. I'm not the Christ. He didn't want anybody to get the wrong idea. We. We. We are. We are priests. We're pastors. We can be your friend. We. We are shepherds. More importantly, we're under shepherds. He is the only shepherd. Shepherd. John says, "He that hath the bride," he said, "is the bridegroom." He said, "But the friend." Of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. You know what John the Baptist is saying? He said, I'm not the bridegroom. He said, I'm just the bridegroom's friend. I'm not the bridegroom. I'm just his best man. And he says, and I get no further joy and fulfillment to know that the bride has made it with the bridegroom and everything's been fine from engagement day to marriage day to hear him rejoice that my joy therefore is fulfilled, that I was a constant companion of a friend to those that needed somebody to keep the past away and keep them under the umbrella of repentance if they come that is alluding to their wedding day when that bridegroom and bride would consummate their marriage in the tent of their wedding and they would consummate that through intimate relations he would hear a sound that brought joy to him because he know we brought this thing to find out. Honey I'll be happy on the day when the trump of God sounds and we stand before the Lord and there's Fred and there's Tasha and there's Brian and there's the Roxanne and there's this one and that one. I'll know this because I served in the capacity of a friend and they allowed me to be a friend and a best man to them. They stand where they stand because they allowed somebody in their life that could speak into their life. Having the recorder as the friend may not have turned out the same. Wow. Having the head over the host of the army may not have turned out the same. I've got to find somebody that has the characteristics of bringing a man to repentance and staying the accusing voices of already repentant sin. I've got to find somebody like that. You know what? How about the principal? How about my personal priest? I'll make him My friend. This seems to be an office or labeling that Solomon chose. Nobody else chose this for him. This was not at the will of the people. You can make so-and-so your friend. This was a divine appointment from the one to whom the person was going to serve. Don't you allow other people, other voices, other ideas to start placing in your life the friends that they say you need. But I am asking you to allow me to step in your life and be the friend that you must have. <sighs> I come to a close. Brother Mason, come to the piano. I come to a close. This might be a little bit of an elongated closing, but just bear with me. So how how vital, God, I feel you, how vital is the king's friend? How vital is it, Solomon, for your priest to be your friend? I'll tell you how vital it is by telling you how vital it was in someone else's life. The Bible records the story in 1 Samuel 28. Brother Zach, you can just grab verses 6, 14, and 15. 6, 14, and 15. You haven't put it up there yet. I'm sorry. 6, 14, and 15. 1 Samuel chapter 28 is a time Saul is king. Saul who the bible says never inquired of the ark of the covenant never concerned himself with the presence what was revered as the presence of the almighty god but who had oft times resorted to samuel for instruction had oft times resorted to samuel when it was time to offer sacrifices, had all time lent ear to Samuel, his prophet, might I say, his priest, his pastor. But at First Samuel twenty-eight, Samuel is dead. Samuel is dead, and the armies of the Philistines are gathering in such a way. To come against Saul. The armies of the Philistines are gathered in such a way to come against Israel. And the Bible says in verse 6, brother Zach. And when Samuel, because here's Samuel, he, he's afraid. His heart's greatly trembling because of what's happening. And when Samuel inquired of the Lord that he never sought after before, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams, nor by Urim, nor by prophets never talked to God and so now he's in a position his man of God is dead and he tries to talk to God but he don't hear anything because he never had talked to God. So you know what Samuel starts to you know what, what Saul starts to think I can't get a line in there edgewise. I'll go find me a witch, a familiar spirit of Endoor. It already banned all the witches and familiar spirits from the land. But because he couldn't hear from God. And the only place he had ever got guidance in his life was from his man of God. He says, I'll go to a witch of Endor. I'll cloak myself and disguise myself and I'll go into her and I'll ask her to bring up, if you will, Amen. the man of God. And the Bible says that she was conjuring the spirit of Samuel. The Bible says in verse 14, and he said unto her, that is Saul said unto the, the witch of Endor, what form is he? Because she says, I see a spirit come up. I see something come up before me. He says, what form is he? She said, an old man cometh up. He is covered with a mantle. He's covered with a mantle. You may stand with me. Saul says, I perceive that Samuel. And the Bible says he stooped his face to the ground and he bowed himself. He was saying, that's the man of God. That's my priest. That's my prophet. That's my pastor. And it's in that moment. It's in that moment. Samuel, who had turned with Saul and worshiped with him when he made his mistake. Samuel, the one who mourned over Saul and his mistakes. That Saul now is over here saying, I can't, I can't reach heaven for myself. I can't reach heaven for myself perhaps I'll resort to my friend. Though already dead and gone, perhaps I'll resort to my prophet and resort to my priest if I can just bring him back for a moment for a word of advice because he seemed to always know how to try to call me to repentance whether I listened or not. He seemed to always try to ward off the demons of my past whether I really allowed it or not. And so he calls from him and verse 15 says, And Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? Saul, why, why have you brought me up? I'm dead. And Saul answered, He said, I am sore distressed. For the Philistines make war against me. God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore, I have called thee that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. You want to know? what the importance of making your priest your friend is is because the times you can't hear from God God can speak through that man that at times it seems like access is closed from hearing from God directly God can speak through that man and you can know a surety that when God speaks that man is delivering it with love and he's delivering it with patience and he's delivering it with your best interests in mind and that he's looking out for you Cause he don't want to see you die. He's wanting to see you to become what you're destined for, and he wants you to live. That's the king's. We bow our heads all across here. That's the king's friend. And again, folks, please don't misconstrue or misunderstand. This is not about you and I going out for ice cream or nothing like that. Okay? It's not about none of that. What this is about is you allowing me into your life. What this is about is you allowing my voice into your life. What this is about. Is with all due and proper understanding. Taking it with a grain of salt. If I ever point the finger and say you are the man. Because I'm not doing that to try to injure you. I'm not doing that to try to hurt you. I'm doing that to try to propagate your life. I'm doing that in essence to try to salvage you you hear me salvage you. you remember it was I think it was when one of the minor prophets talking about that if a man was a shepherd and a lion or a bear would come and take him away that he would go out and bring back a couple of a couple legs or even an ear what was he doing he was trying to salvage what he could from the adversary and from the enemy because he was the priest He was the friend of the people. These altars are open this morning. These are altars open this morning. See, there's other voices. There's other voices that whenever it brings up your past that tell you, you know what, you're right. I'm not going to be able to live for God. I can't be a Christian. I might as well go back and just live my life the way that I lived it before God and just go do my thing. But see, the voice of your friend will defeat the voice of that type of counsel some of you might be coming to church and quote unquote, on the surface living for God but underneath all of the appearance and underneath all of the mechanics there's sin there's sin that's lingering in your life there's actions, there's things that are taking place that are not smiled upon by the hand of God And you need somebody to call you out of that slippery slope of sin to a place of repentance. Please let me be your preacher today. Please let me be your pastor today. It might not be that I sit down with you and say anything. It might not be that I call you out among the congregation. I pray that I would never do that because that's not proper of a pastor anyway. But there might be something that I say through the preaching of the word. There might be something that the Holy Ghost would instruct through the teaching of the Word that would prick your heart, prick your soul, that would call you out and say, you're the woman, you're the man, that might call you to a place of repentance. And if you'll own the wrong, God will make it right. If you'll own the wrong, God will make it right, and you shall live. You need a friend today. These altars are open. Whosoever will, it's not that you're doing anything. You don't have to come because, well, I am doing wrong, and I do got sin in my life. You don't have to come because of any other reason that you just understand the importance of having a priest, having a pastor as your friend in your life. You need it. Amen. Saul Saul came to that realization. Amen. Amen. Far too late. Had he followed the instruction of Samuel, he might have had further access with God. But he remembered all this too late. But whenever he even didn't have access to the heavenlies, he said, I'm going to resort back to my friend. I'm going to go back to Samuel. Folks, I'm telling you, there's times I sat between you and heaven, and I'm interceding for you. I'm interceding for your soul. I'm interceding for your family. I'm interceding for your circumstances. I'm interceding for your waywardness because I know that you need a friend. You need a priest. You need a pastor. You need someone.